You are listening to audio recorded at the Village Church. For more information, go to villagechurchbaltimore.com. The public reading of Scripture is a thing that has been happening since the Scriptures started. Um, If you think about it, we haven't had the printing press for very long And so the way that people got the Word of God into themselves was to actually sit under the hearing of God's Word. Um, Let me me give you this from the Psalms. So Psalms chapter 1 talks about uh, the one who's to be blessed. And uh, it, it basically says this, Blessed is the man who delights in the teachings or the instructions of the Lord, and on it meditates day and night. So when we hear God's word and we take it into ourselves, we should delight in it and we should think deeply about it. So we are reading all of chapter 27. Uh, It will take probably about six to ten minutes to do. Um, I know that that's not normal to do here, But if we think about times when we've actually sat and just read something for a long period of time, um, epic narratives, um, Harry Potter, uh, Lord of the Rings. Uh, My neighbors in in Birmingham when I lived there, um, I remember when the the last Harry Potter book came out, um, they just went around to all the neighbors and said, hey, um, so we're not going to see you for a few days. Um, we kind of do this thing where we lock ourselves in our house and just read the entire book all in one go. And, uh, and so that's what they did. They just disappeared, and like that book's like this thick. Um, so we do this sort of thing, um, and, but this, this is God's living and breathing word. But that doesn't mean that we don't engage the uh, image sensors in our mind that allow us to see the words that are being to us. This is a narrative. It's a story. Um, so let's, en- let's engage it. Let's hear it. And um, yeah, here we go. This is Jay. Go for it. Hi. Good morning, Village. This is a long one. <laughs> Genesis chapter 27, Isaac blesses Jacob. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son. And he answered, here I am. He said, Behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver, and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and prepare for me delicious food such as I love, and bring it to me so that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau. Bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat and bless you before the Lord, before I die. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two good young goats so that I may prepare from them delicious food for your father, such as he loves, and you shall bring it to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. But Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be mocking him, and bring a curse upon myself, not a blessing. 
His mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go, bring them to me. So he went and took them and brought them to his mother, and his mother prepared delicious food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And the skins of the young goats she put on his hands, on the smooth part of his neck, and on the smooth part of his neck. And she put the delicious food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. So he went into his father and said, My father, and he has said, and he said, Here I am, who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? He answered, Because the Lord your God granted me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near, that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. He said, Are are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am. Then he said, Bring it near to me that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him. And Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game. They You may bless me. His father Isaac said to him, Who are you? He answered, I am your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled very violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it all before you came, and I have blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. As soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me. Even me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully, and he has taken away your blessing. Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, he has taken away my blessing. Then he said, Have you not reserved the blessing for me? Isaac answered and said to Esau, Behold, I have made him lord over you, and all of, and all of his brothers I have given to him For servants and with grain and wine, I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth you shall be 
shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of heaven on high. By your, sh- by your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. But the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about you by planning to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to Lebanon, my brother and Haran, and stay with him a while, until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you, and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I bereft all you both in one day? Then then Rebekah said to Isaac, I loathe my life because of the Hittite women. If Jacob marries one of the Hittite women like these, one of the women of the land, what good will my life be to me? Thank you. Blessed is the man who delights in the instruction of the Lord and meditates on it day and night. So, what exactly is a blessing? What are we talking about? I think we all have probably different places that we come from hearing the word, and so I want us to be on the same page because I think a lot of times when we communicate, we kind of talk past each other because we're not using the same words to actually communicate and hear clearly. Um, So let me throw out a couple other blessings so we have have a bit of the story in our mind as well. Uh, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and on the sixth day, he creates humanity, and he blesses humanity. And he says, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the birds of the heavens and over the fish of the sea and over the creatures that crawl upon the land. And it was a blessing. Unfortunately, they didn't take it all the way. They actually became ruled by an animal, a snake. And from there, it starts this tragic downward spiral Uh, to where you get to chapter 12 and he calls out a man named Abraham and he chooses this man and he blesses this man. And if you think about the previous blessing for all humanity, it was descendants and it was land. And God takes a a small little human, one human, and goes, I'm going to give you land and I'm going to give you descendants so that all the nations of the earth can be blessed. So I'm blessing you so that you can bless others. And then later, as that nation grows, he actually brings them together and says, hey, we're going we're gonna to do this thing life together, not just so that we can kind of be this little, like, well, here's where it's happening. This is where all the good stuff's happening. But so that the nations, the entire world, can actually see God's wisdom and be turned and brought into him. So this, this is what blessing is supposed to do. Okay, so what is it? Here's how I would define it. 
It is the spoken words of one person to another that articulates both vision and resources as a free gift. It is the spoken words of one person to another that articulates both vision and resources as a free gift. Blessed is the one who delights in God's instruction and meditates on it day and night. God speaks into humanity his vision for them, the way forward for them, and then he resources them. And humans have been doing this uh, in their culture. Uh, the, the, um, the story of the blessing that we're hearing about with, um, with Jacob and Esau is actually a, a, fam- a family kind of this transfer blessing where when, when the father of the household gets uh, old enough that they're, they're kind of in the, the, the later end of their life, they transfer over authority over the household to one of their children. And they, they speak blessing over them. They cast vision for what it looks like for the family to move forward. They give them all the responsibility too. So they're responsible for all the unmarried women. They're responsible for all the servants. They're responsible for all the resources and what they do with the resources. But they're given resources and they're given a vision for the way forward. That's what blessing is. That's what blessing is all about. One thing that we need to know about this story um, is in chapter 25, um, when these two sons uh, are still in their mother's womb, mom's having some issues uh, during the pregnancy. So they go and actually inquire of uh, the God of Israel and say, hey, what's, what's going on here? And, and God tells them, says, there's two nations actually at war inside of you, and the greater is going to serve the younger. And if you are uh, parents uh, and you live in a culture like this, one of the things that you hear is, who is going to be the father of the household? And it's not the older, which is commonly who it is. It's not always been that way. Um, the, the father actually has a choice of who he chooses and elects to be the father of the household. Um, but Isaac does this really weird thing where God makes it very clear that it's Jacob that's the way forward, but his favorite son is actually Esau. And so a ceremony like this, where um, he takes Esau aside privately, should actually be a shock to us. Because what's supposed to happen is you gather the entire family together so that everybody can actually hear about this transference of authority from one to the other, to hear about the resourcing, and you can bless as many people as you want to during this thing. Um, so this should be a bit of a scandal. We, we hear that Isaac is old and that he's blind, and we tend to think that makes him innocent, but it doesn't. We are all seeking blessings of others. We all long to hear blessings like this. We all want that father figure in our lives to speak words of life to us. And we will do broken things sometimes to get it. There are four characters in this story. We're going to look at three of them today. Um, 
Where is their brokenness? Where would that be found? And how do they pursue wholeness in the midst of it? First, let's take a look at Isaac. Uh, What do we know about his brokenness? Well, it's found in his choosing his belly over obedience. He loved Esau because he loved his food and because he was his favorite over Jacob, even though Jacob was who God had elected to have covenant blessing uh, that was passed down from Abraham. The issue for Isaac is that because he deceives in the way that he does by cutting Jacob out altogether, he ends up ruining the ability to actually bless his favorite son because he gives everything in one blessing to one son. This brokenness fleshes itself out uh, in this deception um, in a decision to bulldoze others for the sake of comfort, for the sake of ease, and what we want over what God wants. Isaac, like all of us, is a mixed bag. He does both good and he does bad. It's all wrapped up in the bundle of being human. Last week we heard about his success as he trusted God for the land. And then today we hear about the tragic failure in trusting God for descendants. You have Rebecca. What we know about her brokenness is found in her willingness to deceive her husband. And she does it because she doesn't actually trust God to fulfill what he said should be done. She sees what is about to happen, that Isaac is about to cut Jacob out and bless Esau. This type of brokenness like Rebecca's looks good on the outside because we're trying to fulfill God's plan. But we do it through manipulation, and we do it through our own strength. Rebecca is fighting for her son, but she is doing it against God instead of working with him. We should never compromise our values to see something accomplished, no matter how good it is. It is often the temptation of Christians to see a great good end goal. And so we end up to compromise our own values that we've been given from God to actually accomplish that thing. I think um, one of those things when I was growing up was uh, the way that we um, treat our sexuality, the way that we treat our, um, our sexualness. Uh, and we were often tempted to give up uh, a lot of pieces of ourselves that are owed to our spouse to other people because we're trying to pursue that wholeness in some sort of a relationship. And we read in the scriptures, we're like, oh, well, you know, we're supposed to have a spouse that's really good, and so maybe this person's the one, and so I give a little bit of my, myself to them. And we compromise who we are and our values to seek something that we think is a greater good. And it, it doesn't work out well because broken people are doing broken things. We have Jacob. What do we know about his brokenness? It's found in his willingness to deceive and his careful planning to mitigate risk. Jacob doesn't stop his mom's plan. When he stops the plan, he stops it so that they can rethink it to make sure that they don't actually get caught. Isn't it interesting that Jacob's deception is to hide himself from his father by impersonating 
someone else. This brokenness I would call the snake. It hides until opportunity presents itself to gain and take advantage when the moment is right. To do things like this, we have to have values. We have to have something that we're holding in high regard to say, well, this is the way forward. These are, our, these are the guideposts for us on how we should live. And, and these, these set of values here are greater than these over here, so this is the right way forward. This is what I'm defining as good. To have wrong values like this means that we have to be lying to ourselves. So let's look at a couple of their lies uh, and ponder our own lives in the midst of them. So what are the lies that they are telling themselves in this pursuit of wholeness? Well, Isaac's would be something like this. I have a better plan than God's plan. Rebecca's, I have to be in control of things to make things work out right. Jacob's, I have to be someone else to get what it is that I want. Take a moment and maybe, and I'm praying and I've been praying to the Spirit, maybe one of these isn't your value or the lie that you're telling yourself, but maybe the Spirit's actually pulling that out in you as you're hearing this. Ponder on it for a moment. Are there lies that we're telling ourselves that cause us to do this sort of brokenness and hurt other broken people in the midst of it? God wants you to experience blessing, to be healed from brokenness and to embrace wholeness that he is offering as a free gift to you. So how do we get from brokenness to wholeness? I'm not asking how do we become a better person. And I'm, I'm not asking what are the best next steps to live your best life now. What I'm asking, I guess, is um, what wholeness is. Where exactly does it come from? Well, I think to be super clear, there are two ways that we pursue wholeness. One, wholeness is pursued uh, in our own power. As a human, inward struggle to, uh, to understand who we are and our place in the world. The often selfish pursuit of our own identity at the cost of others as we set up our own kingdoms, form our own alliances, and shift the world in our favor. The reality is, is our brokenness creates sin in the world. And it is that sinfulness that we have at our core as we pursue our wholeness in this way. It's, it's never truly for the good of others. We tell ourselves that a lot, especially in our culture. It's very popular to tell ourselves that. But it's actually for our own wholeness because it's at the cost of others. So, what do we see about God? God does not choose who to bless in the story based on their deeds or on their worthiness. It is a gift. It is by grace alone that he blesses. Isaac messes up time and time again. Jacob is far worse. God doesn't choose them because they're the right person for the job. It is a free gift. Now, wholeness is 
as given by God is a gift for us to receive as we realize that our identity is found in being deeply loved as children of his. Our hope is found in trusting in Jesus. Our movement forward is freed us as we respond to the gift of forgiveness for our rebellion against our creator as we have chosen to define good for ourselves instead of trusting him. Um, I get told a lot that, um, <laughs> that I believe that Jesus can fix everything. Um, I get told it by people inside of the church. I get told it by people outside of the church. Um, everybody seems to believe that, that I think that Jesus can fix everything, and I, I need to confess something. I'm guilty. I actually do believe that. I believe that with everything that I have. I hear that, that that's too simple, that the world's too complexly broken. But here's the reality, as I think that I haven't been clear, because what my definition of the gospel is, is probably very different from the one that you're thinking of when you think those thoughts, and the one that they think of when they think those thoughts. So, I guess all I can say is um, the way that I think that is because I don't know anybody more broken than myself. I'm actually the person um, that is so broken. I actually have to tell myself the gospel every single morning just to get out of bed because I don't see a way forward without it. I just don't. There's no purpose without it. So I'm going to try and explain it super clearly, as clearly as I can. And I'm going to leave a whole lot of stuff out because we don't have 16 hours uh, to go over what the gospel is. Um, But I'll give you as condensed of a version as I can. What does this wholeness look like? It's our living out of the gospel, the good news that through the work of Jesus on the cross, we are accepted and our acceptedness can now be lived out in utter freedom. Not out of brokenness, but out of utter freedom. It looks like glad servanthood. It looks like adoption like the freeing of the oppressed at the cost of no one but ourselves. If you do not allow the gospel to heal you in your brokenness, then you will try and serve the world out of your brokenness. And what we learn from this passage today is that broken people, even when trying to help others, leave a wake of brokenness in their path. There are four parts that should be balanced in our approach of what the gospel is for it to be lived out fully. Head, heart, hands, and mouth. First, the heart. And I start with the heart and I talk a lot about the heart because one of the things that I notice when we begin to try and live out the gospel without this component, without this piece, is we just get tired really fast. 
We just become super weary because we don't drink deeply from the well of the personhood of who God is. So the heart is required as a part of the gospel. My affection should be stirred for the actual personness of who God is. Without that, what we end up doing is we end up adopting values, pieces of who God is. I really like this part about who he is, and I like that part about who he is. It becomes philosophy. It becomes things for the head. Now, before I get to the head, the danger of just the heart. If just the heart is the gospel, you end up being the person who comes and, and you love the worship, and you love to sing, and you, oh, and we praise, and it's all about the feels, Oh, and I get the feels, and it's so good, and then we leave, and we feel really great, and we get in our car, or we get in the Uber, and we start judging the Uber drivers driving. We start yelling at people as they cut us off because it's Baltimore, and, uh, and it doesn't actually do anything, but just give us the feels, just make us feel good, and that's not the gospel. There's just a piece. It's a piece of the gospel. So the head, the mind opened to the goodness of my creator and his sacrifice. It's critical that we understand the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is and the good news of what God has done for us. It's critical. But the danger of it is, if it's left by itself or it's coupled with just one or two of the other pieces, it's nothing different than what Satan and all of his demons can acknowledge. Oh, yeah, God created the whole world. That's, yep, I believe that. Yep. He uh, was constantly pursuing these humans, wanting relationship with them. Yep, that's true. Yep, came down in the personhood of Jesus, lived a perfect life, dying and sacrificing himself for them, being raised to, to begin new creation. Yep, check. I believe that too. If it's just here, it's not the whole gospel. The hands. My hands set to respond to the kindness of the Lord which leads to repentance by taking action in our good world to seek the freeing of the oppressed, the setting free of the captive, and the resourcing of the poor, the healing of the sick. That's the gospel. It's not the whole gospel. It's a peace. It's a critical peace. And if that peace is outside of the gospel, it turns into something it's not supposed to be. It turns into this very dangerous thing. Sometimes we call it moralism. Sometimes we call it legalism. When I was growing up, it's called legalism because it was all about not doing stuff. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. It was actions. It's what you do. Don't do these things. And so then my generation rebelled against that. <laughs> we said, I don't, the, it's just too legalistic. I don't want, no, that's, that's, that's not it. That's not the gospel. That's, you know, it's, it's what Jesus has done for me. It's all this other stuff. And so we kind of started to abandon that stuff. But then it kind of comes back and we go, well, no, 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 but we should be doing things. So it becomes less about what we don't do and more about what we do do. But the danger of it being all by itself 
you have no real valid reason for why you would ever even do it. What's the point? What's the purpose? Why would you do that? And you become so weary because you don't actually have a reason to do what it is that you're doing. It's not self-sustaining. You should become tired and you need vacation upon vacation. You, you need sleep upon sleep. Man, you wouldn't believe how many people I talk to that are like, they just can't get enough sleep. It's critically important as a part of the gospel, but it's not the whole gospel. The mouth. The, po- the mouth is poised to proclaim God's goodness through his gospel, which is the calling of people into citizenship in his kingdom. It's necessary. How can anybody grasp the gospel if no one tells them? How can it happen? We hope that like we can live it out and people just go, "Hey, why are you being so good? That's that's a novelty. What a neat thing. What what, what is this hope that you have?" My friends, that is not the world we live in. Actually, if you do a whole lot of good in our world, that's the last thing that people think about is that you're a follower of Jesus. We must proclaim and share the goodness of Jesus with others. Now, here's where this one becomes weird. Because if it's just about sharing, it turns into a pyramid scheme. You have one person going, here's what we need to do. Here's how we need to do it. Come on, let's get out there and go. And everybody goes, yes, tweet it out. This is awesome. Facebook it. We need to do this. This is how we need to be. And everybody's creating awareness. Everybody's creating awareness. Well, then who's going to do anything? We're all just super aware. But there's no life change that happens because we're not hands. We become tired at even telling other people because then people give us backlash. No, that's not right. That's not the way it is. And so we go, oh, we become tired of all that stuff because we have nothing to drink from deeply. We're not actually in real relationship with the creator of the universe. We don't sense and experience him in all of his goodness. It takes all of these components to actually receive the fullness of what the gospel is. And the danger for us when we share the gospel is we share too little of it. And so even when people begin to believe the gospel, they believe parts of the gospel. And we hope that like the rest kind of gets filled in as we go. But it is necessary to have the whole gospel to move from dealing with the world out of our brokenness to becoming whole and giving life to all creation. God wants us to be blessed. He wants us to be blessed, but the blessing isn't to stay with us. The blessing is so that we can be a blessing to others. He is speaking into our lives, casting vision on what it looks like for us to move forward. That's what the scriptures are. And he is resourcing us with his Holy Spirit and with the church, with each other, to actually move forward in creating his kingdom by being citizens, by being obedient to our king. It takes all of that to actually be 
the gospel. And when you remove one, it's not the gospel. Remove any piece and it's not the gospel. It's just a piece. So as we prepare ourselves uh, for the table, where we take the the bread and we dip it in the cup and we remember uh, Christ's body that was broken for us. And on this, such an appropriate Palm Sunday, where we remember today that over the next week, Jesus has uh, today come in to Jerusalem, the place where he would die. And he comes in as a triumphant king. And he pursues his enthronement. And in a week, we'll remember his enthronement on a cross. Because inside of God's kingdom, to really grasp all of the gospel, the hierarchy does not go this way, where you gain more authority as you become closer to Christ, or you get you know, higher up in the system or any of that stuff. We follow Jesus. Literally, we follow Jesus. That's not like a a phrase that just means like, I'm a Christian. But it actually means we, we listen to everything that he says. We understand what it means inside of ourselves and how we move forward in that. We follow Jesus. And what Jesus teaches and shows us, that if you want to become great, you will become least. Even to death on a cross. You will become a servant to lift others up. And that is what is so radically different about the power structure of Jesus' kingdom. And it is nothing like anything else on this planet. Every other structure that humans have created is about going up, creating more power for yourselves so that we can end up, unfortunately, harming and oppressing other people in every single other power structure. We try and free some, but it is always at the cost of others. And the only way to get around it is to be the one at the bottom, lifting and serving and bringing others up. So, as you come to the table and you take the bread and you dip it in the cup, think about head, heart, hands, and mouth. Think about where your default is because we still continually function in our brokenness. Remember that the gospel isn't something for the future. The gospel is something for right now. So right now, in our brokenness, what is it? What is it that is our default setting? And how do we remember the goodness of a balanced gospel that Jesus has that is so radical that he would break his body, and shed his blood as his way of ruling and serving others. If you do not follow Jesus, I would, I would ask you to consider, consider this message of the gospel that you've been hearing about. Jesus is so worthy of all of your submission. He is so worthy that you would yield to him because who else Who else but God would lay down everything? Let's pray. Jesus, 
you are more good than I can articulate. And I pray that, that your, your spirit is speaking into the lives of people. That you would grant us transformation into your likeness. That we could flesh that out in the world around us. That we could bring true healing by becoming least. Help us to love, to truly love. Help us to, to be in un- union and to, to be in agreement with each other, to not talk past each other. Help us to be blessed by yielding to you. Give us your peace that passes all understanding. Help us to receive you in all of your goodness. We ask all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Just a quick reminder, uh, we have paper over here on the sides and pens. Uh, on these papers, the, the offering for you um, is, is as you're thinking about these things and you're preparing to come and take the bread and the cup um, to potentially write down the things that are broken in you, the things that are holding you back from following Jesus with everything that you have and lay them down by placing them here in this jar. Come, the table is open.